Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger, and our dear friend, Harav Nissen, on the line. We're here to take your questions, your comments, anything about the mental health field, of course, that it should be age-appropriate, family-appropriate, I should say, and on the second level, that it's not about a parenting question, because parenting questions are, are skills-based, and we just want to create an awareness and give help or information along those lines. So therefore, we are looking forward, Merit Hashem, to having those that questions that are about mental health and any information questions along those lines. Now, the number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And looking forward, again, for any questions or any comments that you have. I'd like to start off with, uh, with a question that we've got. And all right, let's let's go take this question. They've sent it several times, and it's interesting. Just sent it through the J Root station, and we'll, I've addressed it on my phone line, but it looks like they haven't heard it. So they've sent me this message several times now, and they've just sent it to the J Root. So let's go ahead and just take this message. The question goes as follows. My daughter from six years old was playing with me. She was on a bunk bed about six feet high and fell off, and she fell. Baruch Hashem, her fall only took her to the dentist. Now to the question. She is not scared to go back on the bed to take something, but she would not sleep in the bed. Even if the bed, even if the bed's on the floor, she went back to the crib. Is this normal? And now right attached to this question, they're continuing. If yes, I have an eight-year-old son who doesn't want to sleep alone and doesn't want to sleep on the bunk bed either, says it's the mattress is too high or the gate or is too high for the gate, so what can I do about this problem? So I'd like to take this question and recognize how when you see one question alone, you not you might not know what is really happening in the story. So we would have just heard the story that there's a daughter that was on the bed, fell off, and she got, let's say, a little fear or a trauma, went to the dentist. She's able to go on the bed. But when she's got to go to sleep, we would all start jumping to conclusions and saying, yeah, but when she's going to sleep, she closes her eyes, and therefore she's afraid, and therefore she's having all these fears and these concerns, and it's because she fell off. However, since you sent us the second part of the question, I think we get a complete different idea. And the second part of your question is you have now an 8-year-old son that goes on the bed, but doesn't either want to sleep on the bunk bed, because here he's afraid the mattress is too high or that the gate isn't good. And what I would like to recommend over here is, and please forgive me, but for those of you that listen to the programs know enough what I would say, the issue is not with your children. The issue is either with you or your husband, which means when we know that parents have a certain fear, parents have a certain concern, we can and unfortunately will pass it over to our children, which means that we've got to recognize that if we've got some concerns, we're not even aware of how, but it will go over. So just to give you one example of how the brain works, when we're afraid of something, we'll go, are you sure you're not afraid to sleep on there? It's nothing to be afraid of. Just stay on the bed. And you just start discussing several different ways about how, what's going on with the bed or what's going on with other places it starts creating a little seed, a little thought. And that thought, that seed, is what's happening now. So when you're starting to tell me you've got a girl that fell off 
and she has no problem going, about, going back on the bed, but all of a sudden she's got emotional, she's afraid to go to sleep. Then you've got an eight-year-old boy that's got nothing to do that, never fell off the bed, and he doesn't mind being on the bed, but he has an issue going to sleep. My question would be to you, what's going on in your life? What issue do you have with the bed, or what issues do you have with going to sleep at night that it's the trigger? And that's one of the main reasons why we do not enjoy taking, why I do not enjoy taking texts, because sometimes they only get a little bit of the information. Had you not sent the second part of your eight-year-old son, I would have no idea of what is happening and to recognize I might have answered it differently. When you speak to someone, you can ask some questions. You can get a back and forth, which is a big difference. The number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Looking forward to taking your question or comment. We are going to go to Mrs. R. from England. Mrs. R., you're on with Mordechai and Arab Nissen. Hello? Yes. Um, I'm Miss R. Miss R., Okay, um, thank you for your phone line. Um, and I have two questions. One is, I I can't seem to deal with the stress of exams, finals. Mm-hmm. I get very stressful and pressured, and I can't bring myself to learn and to do my work. How old are you, roughly, if you can tell me? Um, between 15, 15 and 20, 16. between 10 and 15, what? I'm 16. 16, okay. Yep. That's question number one. What's question number two? Um, actually, question number two is regarding my sister. She's right here with me, but she wanted me to ask it for her. Okay. How old is she, roughly? Um, she's 12. Okay. And, and the question is question? that she seems to have a difficulty um, accepting compliments, like how she deals with it. Yeah. Okay. Nice questions. So let's go start with yours. We'll take the first one first. And your question is a difficult time dealing with exams. Usually when we have a difficult time dealing with exams, the number one reason that I find is that fear of, or I should say first level is perfectionist, and at the same level is the fear of making a mistake. Do you find that accurate? Um, I don't think it's applied to me because I'm okay with with making mistakes. Okay, then let's take it to you. What, then what's the difficulty with the exam? What do you get nervous about? Um, it's just the stress of learning. Um, it's, I'm going through a stressful time at home now. So, so Wait, just, say that again. Uh, You're going through a stressful time in what? At home. Oh, so it has nothing to do with the exams now. You're just under stress. The exams are coming down hard on me, so, so it's, I'm finding it even more difficult. Mm-hmm. So then let me explain it to you, what you're saying. It's very important for those of us to understand, for everyone listening, so I, I really appreciate you bringing up this topic. It's important for us to know that the human brain, our mind, it's sort of like a muscle. Have you ever tried, let's say, trying to do exercise or lift something hard? Let's say you lifted it, and you're successful, but then you're exhausted after. Did you ever find that? Or you worked, and then you're tired for a couple of hours after that? Right. Right. Now imagine that when we're under stress, and I'm going to give a muscle, let's say, the, imagine there is a power, that we have a power up to 100 volts that we could use. And now mm-hmm. when we have, let's say, issues in our house, it's taking the energy of, let's say, 60 volts. means all we have is, is 40 volts left. Let's say we have power of 40 left to do the rest of tasks. 
Now, when you've got to study for finals, and that in itself is stressful, so it takes 60 or 70 or 80 volts just to study, what happens when there are other stuff going on in our lives and we don't have all that? You know what happens? The brain gets nervous. The brain gets stressed. So mm-hmm. stress, and that's sometimes when people start developing anxiety, is when we're not recognizing that our mind has a certain amount of electricity in it, of energy. And when we're using it in one area, and then we need to use it in a second area, what happens is if we use them in both places and we don't have enough, we start getting nervous, we start getting angry, we start getting frustrated, we start losing sleep, we start might getting heart palpitations, we start thinking people are talking about us, we start getting worried. And all that is for no reason at all. I shouldn't say no reason at all. The reason is because we're depleted our energy system. So if you're telling me there are certain stresses at home, and now comes exam. So let's say before the exam, let's assume the family issues took up 60 volts, and just going through school took up 30 volts. So 60 and 30 is 90 volts. means you still have 10 volts extra, and you're successful. Maybe not as successful as you'd like, maybe not as calm as you'd like, but you're able to go on. Now that. The exams are coming, so the family's taking up 60 volts, and now you're taking up the, the exams, taking up 60. Now the brain doesn't have enough, and we start getting overwhelmed. Does that make sense? Right, yes. Now let's go to the solution. The solution is what I call self-care. It's like the recharging. Imagine the cell phone. We've got to recharge the cell phone. How do you recharge it? We recharge it by several ways. Number one, taking a little bit of break. Take a Relax. Number two... But once I take a break, then I can't seem to get back into it. Well, let's rephrase what taking a break means. Taking a break does not mean during study time. Taking a break means that, let's say, between school or before you come home, you take a half hour and you can just walk around the block. That's what a break. A break means recharge your mind. You might need to have a day off of completely, a one night of not studying at all. Taking a break could be talking to a friend or discussing what's happening. Taking a break might be not to feel that you're responsible for everything what's going on. Taking a break might be just going swimming. Mm-hmm. Taking a break does not mean during studying taking a five-minute break. Taking a break means letting your mind just relax. So sometimes mm-hmm. when I have, let's say, a very busy day, and I've got, let's say, a little bit of a, of a lunch time. I might just close my eyes for 15 minutes just to recharge myself, and that's a taking a break. Sometimes I don't even have time to sit and eat, and I make sure now one of my main focuses are that every single day I must go out and get myself the lunch just to go out, to have that 15-minute break at work. So many people that, like, when we're at work, we just get, there's always another thing to do that we just don't take the break. We don't take the stop. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? So taking that break is very important. Okay. Great. And now to go to your sister's question, that she has a hard time accepting compliments. I'd like her to know that it's very normal, first of all. It can be a self-esteem issue, but I don't like going there. I like just going. It's very normal not to be able to take a a compliment. And therefore, it's like hearing your voice when it's recorded. Well, when we speak, it's normal, but also when we hear the recording, we sound so different. All it does is listening to it a couple of times, like 10 to 15 times to your voice when it's recorded, and then you get used to it. So the same thing is with a compliment. It's extremely important to be able to take a compliment, very, very important to be able to get a compliment, because a compliment 
is the one of the gasolines that keep the car going. It's one of the ways that the car fills, that our brain fills up that we're successful. So I hear we're doing good. You're okay. You can continue. It's extremely important. So the way you do it is you actually practice getting compliments. Your sister can, you can practice with your sister. And I once took a course, and it was a beautiful system how they taught us. It means we had to give a three-minute speech. And after that, there were 20 people. Everyone gives a comment, like, I loved your speech, and they can say, I wish you would do this or that, whatever it should be. And then, then once they did that, all you can respond is just say thank you. And mm-hmm. it was so difficult because, like, they said, I liked your speech, but could you, could you explain this? You can't even say yes. All you can say is thank you. And then sometimes they would say, I like your speech. I think next time you should do something different, and you want to clarify why you did this to explain them, and all you could say is thank you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So tell her just to. So just tell your sister. You're going to practice with her. You're going to give her a compliment, and she'll just say thank you. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, and thank you for staying up at this late hour all the way from England. I am very proud of you. Well, we have exams now. Say that you have exams now, so you're up studying for the exams. Wonderful. Yeah. Now I got it. Okay, thank you. Bye. Okay, great. You're welcome. And we are going we are gonna go to Mr. L. Mr. L, you're on with Mordechai. Yes, hi. Yes. Hello? Yes. Yes, hi. My cousin told me about this a few weeks ago and I enjoyed it every I listened to it backwards. Almost every day. So I have a question. Yeah. Yes. I uh, went ahead, through a lot of difficulties in life. I'm out of it complete. But I have a lot of friends, but I still have some struggles in life. And all the time they came over to me as a friend and asked me all kind of questions. And what should I do about it, about the experience? Wait, wait, let, yes, me, let me understand just so I'm clear, because I can, I can hear your question go several ways, so let me just understand. The point, the, you're starting so far saying that you had several difficulties in life, and Baruch Hashem, you were able to overcome them. You're strong and you're able to overcome them. Now that you overcome Hashem, yeah. them, your friends that have difficulties are now using you as a yayat, so they're using you as a person that they can come to get advice. Is that your question? Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Great. So there you wonderful. All right. So and now and during, what's the question? And now during the conversation what I have with them there is several people, not the same guy. All kind of friends what I have. During the conversation I figured there is two things. What I have number one is Yatarishmaya, there's such a thing to give over to another guy's Yatarishmaya. This is another question now. The other thing what I figure is is Hoidalashem the main part what helped me out from all of the difficulties was my family. Me and my wife have a great family. It was positive to help me in every aspect where I need. Either money, if Baruch Hashem, I don't need to go even, I'll give you a, whatever it's going to take. Therapy, yeah. Whatever it's going to take, whatever happened to me. And it was helpful in every single aspect. So what I figured the family, what they have, the issue is not with this guy. It could be the family, could be his friends, and then, and I cannot go over to him 
I'll give an example. Let's say the father is a problem. I'm not going to tell him your father is crazy. Of course not. I'm not going to tell him that. But what I feel, the way I look at it, it's not him. It's the family around him, and I cannot change the family. He's willing to ask my opinion. I could change him personally if he wants to listen to me. But I cannot change his whole environment around him. So let me ask you a question. What do you think we do in therapy when this problem comes up? Because this is a very, very common issue where someone comes in and there's an entire system that has an issue, how do you help anyone? I don't know exactly. That's why I'm not a therapist. Okay. So I'd first like to start with the huge positive with what you're sharing, and I'd like to create that awareness out there. And that is for people to recognize the power of family. Family is a support system. Family is that when we're down and when we're stuck, if we have a healthy family, they're there for us. Sometimes those family members that are there for us can try to give their opinion, and they, it might be difficult, but that's part of the package of family. For those of us that don't have family to turn to, it's extremely painful and very, very lonely. I had a relative that told me that someone promised him to help him out with money to buy a house, and at the end the person pulled back the money and said, I can't help you. And this relative told me, he says, you know, the family member didn't give me money. However, when they told me that they'll help me, once I knew that X amount of money is coming in, I was able to work on the rest. And then I got the rest. So just knowing we have a support system, it's important. And that's, you're lucky to have that. Now let's go to your question. How do you help someone when they don't have a family support? And the answer is, The concept is that I want us to recognize that it's about within us. You had a family support system, someone might have a rub. Someone else might have best friends. We all have some level if we look for it. But I, can, and, I think mm-hmm. I should tell you one more point of it. Go ahead. For example, I had someone ask me about, about something, and this father told him not to do it, and he told me about killer wine. So what should I do? He asked me. I could give him only my opinion. The minute you said the word Kibbutz you just took the question out of me, and now you got to ask me Father is wrong. If father is crazy, of course not. There's Hold no on. Such you, just, you, just, you just took the question father. out of a therapy question now. Mr. L, it just stopped becoming a therapy question. Once you use the word Kibbutz aim, now we need to ask a Rav. And a Rav will tell you what's Kibbutz aim and what's not. Let's leave out, if we can take out that component of where you said the word kibbutz aim, because now, now we have to ask a rub. Your question is, again, your friend, you had support from family. Your friend does not have a support from family. What can he do? And the answer is to start thinking, what can I do? Yes, there is a solution that I can do without family. And I got a secret to tell you, without your family, there would have also been. You would have also been successful. Right. You're lucky that you're able to get it through the family. And your friend, if he doesn't have family, then he'll get it some other way. That is the concept. That's what we help in therapy. In therapy, the concept is let's stop looking at everyone else. Let's start looking at us. And I would like to have Rav Nissen's input on this because this is something where he's, he has come to America, he's built his life, and he is highly successful in so many ways, and he always shares with different stuff that's happening. What do you say about this? You know, we, we repeat so many times about the idea that you, you first of all, when you, you, you look at yourself and, and the better position, first of all, you know, don't look back. 
Don't look back, you know, the Torah started with the Bereshit, with the letter Bet, you know, that it's closed from three directions, only forward. We look about ashes, ashes lot, she's look back, she become bitter and sour, salty and rock, she couldn't move. And the minute that you look forward, just forward, and I know that it's very easy to say and it's very better than, than to do it, but the idea that if we starting looking forward, looking just, uh, I would say, better, you know, I know that uh, many uh, therapists don't like what I say, that that the emunah and basic of the emunah, that look at the Kadosh Baruch Hu and that He is leading us, He doesn't do something without, no, that it's not good for us. Just go look in the good the people and uh, I would say that this is will push him forward. Don't again. Don't look backwards. Don't look at about to if 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 I if I had this if I had this if my if my parents was like this if my son if my daughter you know if my my teacher was always if 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 or oh, but just look forward and see what you know. Uh, and I tell you, Mordechai, uh, we have right now the project of the 40 days of Lordot uh, Hashem, the gratitude to Hashem. Yeah. I don't know if you heard it about it, that uh, we are participating in a big you know, it's like a notebook that yeah. every day every day you write yourself hundred thanks to Kadosh Baruch Hu. What have good things that happened to you? And people see miracles. I'm telling you I see it in my uh, in my own eyes that people wow. that was on the bottom and whatever that they start doing this uh, project that the forty days and we know that the 40 days it changing can change the nature, as Noam yeah. Melech said. If you do something in a 40 days in a row, you can change your nature. And this is Be'emet, you know, this is something that I think that this is the pro- a point of view of our our side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. If I, I, I'm thinking about doing that now, writing 100 positives every day what happened. Okay, you get, you get to the booklet from J. Root Radio. You know, no, it's, really, it's a beautiful b- booklet, you know, <laughs> notebook, you know, if somebody How needs do we it, get it? Where do we uh, write to? How, uh, how do uh, people just, listening? Just, you know, just, uh, first of all, you can register online, and second, we just text us, 347-928-398, and just, we, 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 uh, we will make place that, that you can pick it up, or if, uh, you know, participate on the mailing uh, cost, we will uh, send it. Excellent. To be able to excellent, and you have a suge- you know, it's really it's a, it's a forty pages with uh, uh, hundred uh, columns, you know, hundred uh, places that you write the thanks you, thank you Hashem, thank you Hashem. You take like I would say in the beginning, you take like ten to fifteen minutes. Later, you just you find yourself that you thanks Hakadosh Baruch Hu that you get up in the morning. Thanks Hashem that you have friends like you, uh, Mr. L, and thanks Hashem that you have uh, you, you can have fingers and. Every day, every day is a different tanks, and you find the parking in the industry that you can possible to find parking, and that's that's how you know to see the positive and every moment that we we are alive. Yeah, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. So, does that help you out, Mr. L? Help me out a lot, but I have one more part of the question. What might be an example? The guy what I told you about his father, and I cannot tell him about, because you told me about Kiva the wine. What I think is, he's, he's not, this is the way how we answer it, this Kiva the wine, but he's, you're up with his father, you with his family, and for him to be 
disconnect even with 1% from his family. At least in his mind, he feels like he's not going to follow the rules from his brother or sister or father. Emotionally, he feels like he's disconnecting from his entire world. The answer what he's given me is roughly as Peshef, Kibbutz of Wine, this is the way how he expresses himself. But if I go over to him, let's go to Roth and ask something. He's yeah. Not, the way I look at it, he's not willing to accept you when they're off tone because well, emotional... Well, that's, that's step two. Now you hit it. That's what we do in therapy. In therapy, when there is a disorder, one of the ways we recognize when it's an emotional disorder or if it is a real rachnius issue is very simple. We go to a rav. Then, if he's not willing to go to a rav or we ask the rav and they're not willing to listen to the rav, then we know it's an emotional disorder. So that's what we want to recognize. We want to be able to say, is there an emotional disorder, and that's something else, which it sounds like he might be having. And if not, then we go to the Rav. The Rav says what to do. If we're able to work on it good, it means, listen, then it's good. If not, then we know there's an emotional disorder, and then we deal with it, like codependent, like so many other issues that I hear, or dependent personality. There's a lot but, of issues. There's a lot of stuff that is good. I interrupt you, I know this guy for a long time. He's not willing to take help. Not from a rough, not from a psychologist, not to go for medicine, therapy, none of them. So I would ask something. You How do it. we make a Balchuva? Could you please make a friar eat about Balchuva? He doesn't want to go to a rough, he doesn't want to speak to anyone. If he's a Balchuva? No, a guy is not a Balchuva. A guy is a friar yid, and he doesn't want to speak to any rough, doesn't want to see any safe, doesn't want to hear anything about Yiddishkeit. Will you make him from? No. So you're asking me, how do you help someone that doesn't want to go to a therapist, doesn't want to speak to that's, a rabbi, doesn't want to do anything? He could come over to me and ask me some questions. And I know this guy. He's not willing to change if I will tell him, but still he can ask me questions. I'll tell you what, my friend. This is a lot more detailed. Now you're asking me, these are the trainings that you get in therapy. This is what therapists get training on. It's not anymore a general question, what's happening. What we're understanding is your friend has got a disorder. Now you need training on how to be a therapist. And that's exactly what our goal is. Our goal is to create an awareness. If it needs a therapy, then, and if you need guidance how to deal with it, then what I always tell those involved, the Yaskanim, go for therapy. Go ahead, get advice. Get professional training. Don't call up, which is great, you called me up, which is the first step. Now I'm telling you, as therapists, we are trained. We know how to deal with this. Doesn't mean the results are the way we want, but now that's something you're going to have to learn how to do. Thank you for calling in and for being such a concerned yid that you feel for another person. We are now to Mrs. D. Mrs. D, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Hi, how are you? Ah, Baruch Hashem, fantastic. I, would also I have a question to ask you about on, my just son. Before you go to the question, just to announce the number, for those of you that would like to ask your question, you can call on to 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Yes, go ahead, Mrs. D. Okay, so I have a question about my son. He's almost five, and I know Just usually you say that when most... you go that we don't take parenting questions under the age of really. I know that's what I'm saying. Like usually you say that it's an issue like age appropriate parenting, but I have a. I think my son might have OCD, and I wanted to ask you I'm about it. I told you your son does not have OCD at eight years old. He's not now eight. I'm sorry, at five I meant. Now I would ask you, what about you? Which, you or your spouse, which one of you have got some anxiety or some stress? That's the thing. We both are not, like, OCD or have anxiety at all. And I have two kids. She's not my only kid, and okay, my other kids are what, what definitely not like him. your five-year-old son that you think it's OCD? 
he has two things. Number one is he has an extreme, extreme, extreme anger where he will also hurt himself. Like he'll bang even if he gets black and blue marks, he doesn't care. Okay. And so, I, and he, he, he's always, I find that he's always like on edge, like, like it takes very little what to boil him over. Plus he has, no, so his OCD is like, he has a, like everything that he does, he needs to smell. Like, and then if he thinks that his hands are dirty, like he makes, he drives me crazy, like smell my hands, smell my hands, smell my hands. Sometimes he even goes to the extremes, like smell my feet, smell my feet. And if I tell him I'm telling you, it's nothing. He, he doesn't believe me. He doesn't trust me. He'll start screaming. I would tell you go for an evaluation, but some, something's not adding up over here. I, I don't want to say that this is, not, this is not OCD issues. These are other stuff here, and I don't want to do it on air. Go for an evaluation before you go with him for an evaluation. I would first recommend that whatever you can go to the evaluation for, just have one session with you and your husband just to go ahead and discuss and see what's happening. If me and my husband have an, have an anxiety... Anxiety or anger issues, perfectionist, stress, needing to be perfect, needing living for society. No. Very worried about what others think. No. Can to be honest, I, my, hus- my husband has a full, full, full-time job. He, he's only with the kids for like an hour in the morning and on Chavez. So even if my husband would have this like enormous stress that you're saying, which I know my husband is not, the kids only see him for that little amount of time. Ah, so and I'm definitely not a perfectionist, and I don't look ah, for the let's, streets let's at all. Back. Hold on, your first, hold on, your first step was, was an incorrect, please forgive me, your first, your first assumption was an incorrect assumption. If your husband is with him just an hour a day, and therefore whatever issues he has won't affect the kids, that's incorrect. No, but I'm telling you, he well, does on, not have on, stress issues. If your issues. husband is with... If the kids are with someone that is, let's say, abusive, and I don't use, we use the word abusive right. now very loosely, so let's try not using it. It's got an anger issue, just as an example. And will yell and shout that once a week to hysterical levels, the kids will be afraid the entire week or the entire year. When people have got to go sometimes to grandparents or to aunts and uncles or to places, they're nervous. When, when kids sometimes know that they've got a major test after Pesach, they can't enjoy the entire Sukkot or Pesach vacation because of the big test. And when there's yelling and screaming and tantrums or threats or manipulation or knocking down critic, it can affect children. Now, if none of those are the cases, then I would start it's asking really not, to find out what's Because I would find it in my daughter. My daughter is completely No, not, no, no. I don't would, make that assumption. Don't make that assumption. That's not But I'm telling you, I know, me personally, I'm not a stressed person. I'm a very chilled out person. I don't live for the streets, and I really, I'm not a perfectionist at all. My husband's definitely, definitely not this way. All I'm saying is I don't know, so maybe something's happening in school. All I'm saying is that behaviors of what you're describing doesn't seem that regular, or it could be something else. could be that he's on the spectrum in some way, that he's not 100% healthy. He's on the spectrum. The mind isn't developed. There could be a lot going on, but your question is not, it's not OCD. It could be a lot more, and that already takes a professional evaluation from what you've said. And I have a question. Is it, is it normal for a child of that age to have such an extreme, like, anger that I feel like he can't help himself, like... Even uh, if let, I, me, let me clarify what your question is asking. You're still asking. He, ha- he, he, he has a little bit of his OCD in him. But I, see, I, I don't understand what we're not getting through. What I'm saying is I cannot say what's happening from your question. Oh. What I'm saying is something is not regular here. It could be either a problem with your son, could be a problem in the school, 
Could be a problem in the family. Could be a problem by you guys, which you're saying. Now, I'm not saying not. What I'm saying is there's a full evaluation that has to happen to find out what's happening. What I'm saying is I don't understand what's happening. This is not age-appropriate. It's not OCD. I hear a lot of other stuff going on in this, which a full evaluation is needed. That's all that I'm saying. And I, I can't be pushed to say it is this or it's not that. What I'm saying, I don't know what's going on, but I know this is not classic OCD. So it's definitely it's not, not, it's definitely not something. Not. I just want to know, if, is this considered age-appropriate behavior, which I personally don't think Absolutely it is. Absolutely not age-appropriate. I would definitely recommend you take care of you get evaluated or you find out very quickly what's happening, because if you can deal with it right away, then things will be better. Okay. Thank you very much. Exactly. You're welcome. Sorry if I was, if I am being a little... No, that's fine. I just wanted someone to tell me that it's not normal, because every time I say, like, I don't think my son is is able to help. Like, I think he's acting like he's really not... I don't think he's acting because he wants to act this way. I think, I feel like he really can't help himself. And other parents are like, man, I think it's normal. All five-year-olds get upset and angry and bang. I'm like, I, I don't yes, think it's normal. Yes, they do get upset sometimes, but not to, not to what you're describing and not... No, 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 he, no, 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 he really gets upset. Your mom should have to remove him, and he could bang himself out for like 15, 20 minutes. And like, even if... They even if can I can do it. I, there's, there's a lot... There's a lot that is normal, a lot that is not, and the way you're putting things down is there's a lot of things that I'm hearing that's different. So therefore... Right. All okay. I would say is just go to someone that can do the full evaluation. We're on air. It's public, and I, I don't want right. to ask many of those private questions that I would ask in an evaluation. Okay, but fine. No problem. Thank you so much. Children. That's not my expertise either. So okay. That's not something that I do. But find out who does uh, you know, an evaluation for children, and let's see what they say. Okay, no problem. Thank you. You're very welcome. We are going to go to Mr. R. Mr. R., you're on the air with Mordechai <laughs> Hello. Yes, hello. First of all, I wanted to thank you for the amazing workshop. Um, I know we're not finished yet, but I gained so much from it. Thank you. Can you just share with us, or people listening, just a little bit what you gained? It's real, this is what I would do to anyone, but I'm just curious. Like, What are some of the details that you've learned or that you've mastered? Well, one thing is that I don't feel that pressure that I must accomplish and... I realized that that was really, <clears throat> really slowing me down and causing me a lot of anxiety. Yeah. And I realized what anxiety is. I didn't realize how much anxiety I was living through on a day-to-day basis. Exactly. And as we discussed in the workshop, that anxiety is so much, I'd say, I don't want to shoot percentages, but over 80% it's mentally induced. It means it's our way of thinking. And if we're not recognizing the stress that's happening, Harav Nissim, no, you're someone that there's a lot going on in your life. And if we don't balance ourselves, right, we, we just get stressed and overwhelmed. Yeah, no question. <laughs> it's like, uh, like uh, any, any engine in a car, you know, if they take small engine and start load and load and put 100 people in the car, the car wouldn't take it anymore. And they over, over it, and they, in the end, the motor will be uh, burned out. Like our body is exactly the same. When you cannot tolerance and you cannot let it out or put a better gas, better, better, you know, take tra- care about yourself and overload and overload, and the end you just collapse. Yeah, and that's one of the main things of this anxiety to serenity workshop. That tomorrow night is the is the last night or, or Wednesday night actually, but just to show how there's even the worksheets that we follow, and anxiety is mentally induced, 
and the tools to recognize where it happens, the tools how to heal ourselves, how to do that. And plus, there's the worksheet that whenever we do get caught up into how to do it. Okay, thanks for that little plug. I appreciate that. Now, what would you say is your question or comment? Well, there was, there was something uh, really amazing I realized today that hit me. You spoke about body language, like how the body speaks to you. Yes, we took Dr. Sarno so, and put it on steroids, how to listen, literally, how to start talking to our body when our body gives us pains, yes. So I just realized, like, something amazing. Like, two years ago, I was going through a tremendous amount of stress, and I went to the dentist. I never had cavities before, and I noticed my back tooth was, like, loose, and it was, it was a lot of pain. So he took an x-ray, and he saw that the whole entire root was totally, like, destroyed. Like, it was totally decayed. And I, he said there's, no, there's nothing really to do about it. The tooth is just going to fall out. You have to put in a fake tooth. So, yeah. basically, I realized, basically, I asked him where does that come from. Like, what? He had no clue. And what he told me was that you might as well pull it out now because you might as well have your parents pay for it because who knows what's going to be later. Um, since I care about my parents, I don't just suck them from, for money, so I didn't pull it out. And now my tooth is, two years later, it's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with it, there's no pain, and it's totally intact. So I'm just wondering if that was, like, coming from anxiety. So here's where we get to that little couple of great iffy areas, which means... I'm a believer in the mind-body connection as we discussed and as we taught ourselves how to listen to it, that if it's emotions, we will feel immediately. Once you start talking to the body, you hear the headache disappear, the back pains disappear. And once we learn the questions, what to ask and how to deal with it, however, you're talking about a physical, actual tooth that is loosened and the tooth got stronger. I am a little bit of a skeptic to say that the physical, that the mind has that much of a power. However, some people will say it does. So I am I, a bit more skeptic on that. I am a very big believer that when people come in with migraines and other, back, and other pains to my office and then they walk out feeling better, yes, I am a believer if it's emotional pain. But when it's a physical pain, I am more skeptic. And uh, I do know that uh, there are people... Yeah, that's just my opinion. I want to tell you something. <laughs> Sorry to jump over I really, oh, please. I, I, believed, I believe that, uh, you know, as we know, that 97% of our brain is not used. And I, again, when we saw the subconscious doing, it's, it's amazing. And the, the famous, uh, I would say the famous uh, scientific uh, t- examine was on the schizophrenic people that, you know, it was one person with a two personality. One yeah. Per- uh, that in a certain situation, he has a, a medical issue, diabetes, and out problem. And when he was the different person, it was total different, healthy person. So I believe, I believe, great belief that uh, we have the ability, uh, the Kadosh Baruch Hu gave us the ability to even to strengthen our uh, uh, me- medical and physical issue on uh, and repair yes. it. Yes, <laughs> definitely, definitely there's studies showing it that way. There are definitely studies showing the other way. So therefore what I said is like, you know, it's, what my hesitation is that people come in with such sometimes huge medical physical issues and like they want to have four or five sessions and then healing it. And 
I, I, I'm a big believer of the mind-body connection, but like the way people sometimes go, I just had one session and all of a sudden everything disappears. I do sessions all day and sometimes it takes months of work. So again, that's where I get to be. I'm like the little technician down there and maybe it's my belief or my lack of belief in the ability. But again, there are huge studies showing that it happens. There's, there's, there are stu- it's unbelievable. There's the positive theory. There's a lot out there. There's a lot out there saying mm-hmm. that it does work, but when... Yep, I've just said it all. No, you have experience. You have not experience, but... No, but it's true. I've listened. There's, there's two famous stories. I'm, I'm remembering now who they are. There was one person that was basically completely paralyzed from a plane accident. They said he'll never walk again. He'll never move. And about two years later, he walked out of the hospital because he had that will. There was another person that had a major, major illness, and they said it's terminal, he'll never get healed, and he did the laughter therapy in the 1960s. And what he did is he rented videos in the hospital and just comedy videos all day, just laughing and laughing and laughing, and he kicked the disease. Now, many people have tried replicating that study because they couldn't believe it. Is it that powerful? So some people were able to do it. Most were not able to get better by just the laughter therapy that he did. So... Again, there are studies and there are people that did get that were able to do that, but there are many people when they tried to copy those, it was they weren't able to. So it's like a strong power of will. It's just, it's so many other things involved. And when I have people coming into me, like they want to come in with that magic pill, like just make me think positive and everything will get better. And from a tech from a technical point of view, I find it's not that simple. It's definitely not simple. I tell you, from, uh, as, as I, learned, I learned when I was young, the, the subconscious from the Chilonu yeah. way, the, the, you know, the Goish way. But I see that it's very, definitely not uh, simple. But I want to tell you, I, I don't know if the, it's a time consume. Two stories that I personally know. I want a guy that he has the, the Mahala, Lo Alenu, and yeah. he was tired from all this treatment, and he said, that's it, I'm stopping it. And he, right now, alive and kicking and working full-time without any trace. The other story, it's a famous story in Israel. He was a pilot in Israel army, and he got the machala, and he heard about some treatment in the United States, a very, you know, uh, experimental treatment. He came, he paid, he mortgages house, everything, and went to the treatment. He came to Israel clean, neat, no machala, and I think. After two years, he read in the newspaper that this treatment is, was, was placebo. Wow. In a Means week. It wasn't real. They just played yes. on the mind. And in a week, he passed away. Wow. So uh, this is really famous story in Israel. It's amazing to see this. Uh, unfortunate. The power of the subconscious. Exactly. Yes. Okay. That I am a believer on. Thank you. Yep. That, that is. Yes. So I thank you for the comment, for the message. Appreciate it. Thank we you. are going to go to... Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say? No. All right. We're going to go to Miss H. Whoops. Is Miss H Ms. still H. on? Hello? Yes. Yes. Hello. Hi. Good evening. How are you? Baruch Hashem. From the accent, are you calling from the United States? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have just a general question. I wanted to know... Uh, if somebody is hiding something from you or afraid to tell you, how can you get them to say it? Well, let's take the step back. Why do you think someone would be afraid to tell you something? Why would they hide? Is it on my part? Let's 
Let's not go to you yet. First, why would someone hide something? Why, why do you hide something? I know when I hide certain information, what's the reason that we usually hide? Well, you're afraid someone's going to repeat it. Either repeat it or could be a couple of things. What else might you be afraid of? The reaction. That's right. So it means it's not safe. Mm-hmm. Right? So when we want someone to tell us something and to trust us, the first step is to have them feel safe. And that's what we try to do in the therapy. And in the therapy process, what we call is building the therapeutic alliance. The therapeutic alliance in social work school is more important than anything else. Because once the person trusts you and you can connect, now we can see what's really going on in there. Okay. So now I would ask you, what can you do to reassure your friend to tell you? I will make sure that to tell her that I won't repeat anything. Good. That might be one thing. Maybe it's something she's embarrassed to tell you. How can you reassure her that it's okay if she's embarrassed to tell you? What happens if it's about you? How can you reassure her that she should tell you? And that's one of the things we discuss in therapy. So when I start with a client in the first session and two, I reassure them. You can tell me anything. You can tell me if it's an issue about your marriage. You can tell me if it's an issue about your children. You can tell me if it's an issue about your family. You can tell me if it's an issue about Parnassa. I won't judge you. I hear this all day. There's an entire reassurance and, and pismen and sort of pre-speech for those of you that have taken my different lectures, the parenting workshops, like the pre-speech that I give that will reassure a person. Mm-hmm. And then there are more personal stuff that I'm not going to discuss on here, but where I reassure them that there are normal issues that humans go through, all of us, including me, and once we can accept that we have that maybe that person's through them, you could start hinting to it, the person will feel safe. Oh, wow, I could talk to you about this. Okay, I trust you now. And I feel I can open up. So I would first ask her, what's holding you back? What are you concerned about? She might say you might tell someone. She might say it's about you. She might say it's about someone else, and I'm afraid you'll look at that person differently. It's about her. It's about her. Yeah. So then how would you reassure her? What would you tell her for her to be able to trust you? I don't think the problem is she doesn't trust me. I just think it's a big secret. Let's say she's hiding something. Define secret. What does a secret mean? Why would someone not share a secret? A medical issue. Okay. Now, how will you reassure? Is it appropriate for her to tell you? I don't know what it is. Well, is it appropriate for her to tell you a medical issue? Are you that close for her to tell it to you? Yeah. Let me rephrase that. Is it important? Is it something that she should tell you? Not because you're curious. Is it something that the family would tell you? This is something you can tell a friend. Are you her best friend? Is it important for her to tell this to me? You're not getting the question. let's Let's do it the other way. Why should she tell you? Right, exactly. All right, why? No reason. Then why should she tell you? Then why do you want her to tell you? Maybe she's just embarrassed to tell me about it, and if I open the discussion, she'll tell me. Or maybe it's a secret if it's a medical issue. How appropriate? Mm-hmm. Or how, how young are you? Eighteen. Eighteen. Do you think you would know how to deal with it, or is she afraid that maybe you won't be able to keep it a secret? It's something so big. I can keep it a secret. Maybe she's a I... little worried about Shaduchim. Right. You're saying you can, but maybe with that information she doesn't trust you, and maybe the family told her not to trust you. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say is just because you're ready and you're feeling it doesn't mean they are in their part, and sometimes we allow others to have their feelings. 100%. Excellent. So part of your question would be, 
how can I be her friend, even if they don't tell me this one secret, because maybe it's not appropriate or they don't feel safe telling me? I hear. Yeah. Can you ask the question that way? It's not important for me to know. I just wanted to know if for support or anything if she wants to tell me and she's embarrassed to bring it up. Ah, so then you could tell her, you know, I think something might be going on by you. I want you to know that you can feel safe to tell me if you want any support, you want to discuss it, you could. And if you don't want to, you could tell me, you know, something, something's going on, I, I don't even want to discuss it, but I appreciate you bringing it up. And we can still be friends. I just want you as a friend in other areas. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah, sure. Excellent. Harav Nissen, who do we go to? Uh, we go to Mrs. G. Mrs. G. On with Mordechai and her of Nisim. Hello? Yes. Hi. 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 Thank you so much for your show. Uh, my pleasure. It's an absolute amazing to me. Thank you so much. Great. Is there a way we can lower some of the background noises? Oh, yes. I didn't realize that you're still on speaker. Now it's off. Great. Okay. Excellent. So my question has to do with somebody elderly that I'm very close to. She is um, living alone, and she misplaces things, and she says that it's a ghost that's been doing it. Yep. So I want to advise her, if you can help me, to seek out help in this um, situation. She's very frustrated. She can't find things, and she believes seriously in the ghost. Mm -hmm. What's your relationship to her? She's a neighbor, so we're close. We see each other on a daily basis. All right. So what what sounds like to be going on over here is she might be getting older and she might have a physical illness that might be causing her to be that way. Mm-hmm. Could be all could be the start of Alzheimer's, dementia, many other things that are happening. And it's starting to sound like some other little diagnosis that's being put into it, and you need medical intervention. And okay. in order for that to happen, being nice and talking to them when they get elderly, many times they start feeling you're driving me nuts. We don't, you're, you're, you know, all that ways, and they don't act that mature as their age and as their mind is. Which means what the next step that we have to do is to bring in family members. Okay, I could do that. So what you want to do is you want to start telling the family member that, look, there is an issue here. Your mother is starting to concern me, or your father, whoever that is. I think you said it was a lady, right? So yeah. your mother is starting to concern me. She's starting to show signs of some either dementia, Alzheimer's, or other stuff going on. She really believes that there's a ghost that's moving her stuff. And the fact that she's forgetting things is one issue. The fact that she's believing it is another. And we need to start, you know, going to a medical doctor, informing the medical doctor as to what's happening, they might need to do an entire scans and MRIs and other stuff, what's happening to, to really know what's happening. But trying to be nice with her and trying to convince her and tell her is not the way to go. Okay. And many times, and even tell the parent, tell the children that sometimes they need to be more assertive. Like sometimes the parents will go, I don't want to. Absolutely not. It's not right. And uh, again, we need to speak to a rub, but the real Mitzvah Kibbutz aim is taking them, making them go. Sometimes you have even doctors for the elderly that come down to the house. Okay. But what I'm saying is it's great for you to call in, and it's time. We, it really has to be dealt with right away, because sometimes if you catch these things earlier, sometimes there's a little medica- medication that can be. Sometimes there isn't. If it's dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever, we'll let the doctors guide and all those, along those lines. But at least we know what is needed now, and the government has, depending on what 
insurances she has, but they might bring someone to her to come to her house and to organize things and cook and clean. There could be a lot of services that she needs. Maybe the family needs to realize that now their parent is getting elderly and they need more help. They can't just leave them on their own. Mm-hmm. So it's time to get it really medically checked out. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And please continue to be so very amazing. Yes, yes. Hold on, please. I think that Brachot said that it's better not to sleep alone in the, in the house, you know, and this yeah. is one of this one of the criteria that could be some uh, problem in the house. So the Gemara yeah. said talking about it. Yeah. And they yeah. to sleep with a light and uh, certain uh, stuff. That as far as what? Well, as far as the ghost? Uh, certain, certain uh, I would say, I don't know what ghost, but uh, <laughs> the Gemara <laughs> talking about uh, the things that not, not good so not good to sleep alone. Uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> this is the, the Gemara point of view. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, thank you. You're welcome, you're welcome, and thank you for that. I appreciate it. We are going to go to Mrs. R. Hello, We have a me? Mrs. R and we have a Miss R. So we're going to go to Mrs. R, and we've got about seven minutes to go, so let's see if we could get both questions in. Okay, I'll try to make sure. it as brief as possible. Yeah. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, My pleasure. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, I've had a I've had a very interesting relationship with somebody in my life that I've had to put very strong boundaries on, and yeah. I'm finding that whenever I'm around them, let's say at a family simcha, and they're interacting with somebody else in the same way that I had a problem with, it makes me exceedingly uncomfortable, and I'm just wondering what that means and how I can help myself without removing myself. Yeah, Harvin, this what do you say? You understand my question? So let, let's repeat your question. This way we made sure that we got it. Okay. Um, your question is that you had a certain, let's say, acquaintance, could be family member, could be It whoever, was a family member. A family member that has some issues. And in right. order to remain sane and to be healthy, you had to set strong boundaries. Right. And Baruch Hashem, you set that up. So right. you set that up, and here I'll put in my words, it still bothers you or hurts you a little that you had to set up such boundaries because you really didn't want to do it. Okay, that could be. And now when you're meeting them at Simchus and you have that boundaries up, but when you see them acting in that, let's use the word, abusive or unhealthy manner with other members, mm-hmm. you get triggered by that. Yeah. I have to and literally like like to either go to a different su- seat or, or if I'm in the same room as them at a Simcha, I, can, I literally have to go away because I find that it makes me so upset to watch it being done to somebody else. Yeah. So I'll take, you know what, I'll take my little opinion, and then I'd like to hear from this, because I feel this is something that we need someone that's, you know, not always with a licensed head that's working all day. Like, I view this as a clinical, you know, in a very clinical terms. Let me just explain to you in the clinical terms. Mm-hmm. In clinical terms, and this is, since we're all human, at least I can say I am human, I've got the same issue, and that's as follows. When we are triggered by something, means if we feel bad about something, like you can't help that person, or you wish they were healthier, or or you wish just to have a loving relationship with them, you really want to love them and have a healthy connection, but you can't, we feel pain and we feel hurt. When we feel pain and hurt, and we see someone else going through the same pain, it will awaken our subconscious pain, means not logically. Mm-hmm. Logically, you know you've done the best that you can, and logically mm-hmm. that other family member is going to have to learn. But inside, our subconscious is still yearning for that, or is feeling the pain, now that person is going through the pain that I'm going through, 
it means that in us there is still some pain that needs to be worked out. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're triggered. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Now, let's take it a step further. This is the reason why we don't work on friends or family as a therapist. Because when it's my family, I get triggered. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens if you would be going to a simcha and you would be volunteering to help someone, a family, where they have a family member just like that family member that you have, and your job is just to be on the outside and make sure whatever it should be? Would you be triggered? No. Absolutely not. And that's Because it would have no effect on me personally. That's it. So when it's personal... Mm-hmm. The more personal we take it, the more it will affect us because subconsciously we're still in pain. When it's not us, mm-hmm. it separates. And that's where the therapy that we work on that is to recognize what are the pains that we feel, what's the responsibilities that we feel. Where are we still hurt that maybe we feel responsible to protect that other family member, not the one that is causing the pain, but you feel for that other family member, oh, they're going to get stuck now, and mm-hmm. therefore that might be what you're feeling. That, that could be, sense? or I feel... Or let's say if it's even on a child. Yeah. And I'm thinking, the poor kid, they can't even defend themselves. Exactly. So recognize and that when it's your family and closer, that's how you get triggered. Harvness, so what do you say to this? Uh-huh. It could it be, can I just ask, could it be that it just will never be, such a thing could never be resolved and I just have to uh, remove no, myself? No, please don't use those words, never, no. That's where therapy comes in. You want someone that has experienced with this concept uh-huh. and... Mm-hmm. It's called even transference, counter-transference in the therapy and the way we start learning therapy. That's one of the first classes that we learn in Susan, how when we start getting triggered of our personal stuff in clients, it's literally Mm -hmm. the first class that we learn in college to be when we're being supervised. It's called transference and counter-transference, so we shouldn't get caught up into the emotions of the other person and to be able to be detached. Mm -hmm. And where does sensitivity and just caring about other people come into play in a healthy manner. Balance, balance, balance. Like balance. It can't what? just be that somebody is, it's always an unhealthy thing if somebody gets extremely pained by something. Well, notice the words. What does it take to get someone extremely pained? Extreme actions. Anyone will be hurt. But when it's a family member, it hurts even more. I, right, so that's what I'm asking. Is it just always going to be there because it's a family member? Or is that work? I could no, have family that members just, in, just intensify the pain. When it's mm-hmm. family, it intensifies the pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, and therefore you can learn how to balance that. Yes, you can. You know, mm-hmm. And you can learn how to heal that. Harvnison, what do you say? We've got about 30 seconds so left. Yeah, I would say that, uh, first of all, it's, it's very difficult for me to know what, what is this. I, we believe that if something that is really uh, causing other people bad, I would say that uh, you have to take an action about it. Again, this is a, uh, I don't know what is the issue, what is the, the stuff that creates your pain, but if it's something that can cause other people damage... You have to be on, on the alert and don't be silent. I don't believe in it's being It's not silent. really damage. It's more of a person with a personality disorder who is um, just undiagnosed, will never go for help, and just does this to everybody, basically. So if you care about other people, just I think that, uh, I think that from a point of view, we can ask a Rav if he made a mm-hmm. question and talk with other people. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Excellent. Our Thank listeners. you so much. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Thank so you. We, and we are mm-hmm. done. <laughs> yep. Thank you all for calling in. Merit Hashem. Looking forward to have another week program with you. Hatzlachan, siyata deshmai. May we all continue having safe and a healthy summer, Merit Hashem. Looking forward to next week's program. Amen, and thank you, Mordechai, Thank you very much. Thank you, Kalta.